might just get that motherfucking car wash and shit. Drive around all day, playing my shit. Yeah. My shit. I never do much talking. I never do much tricking. I never do no hating. I'm what the game's been missing. I hear you niggas talking. You niggas sound like bitches. I'm all about my riches. I'm open even on Christmas. She love the fucking attention. I love the fuck, that's my mission. Maybe we could go fishing. She like that, now that's different. My bartender, she from Michigan. Truffle fries from the kitchen. Happy hour like fuck it. This how we be living. Where every moment is a picture. You spending thousands on fixtures. Money hoes with a mix. I'm not smoking no switches. Fuck with me, it's addictive. When I'm gone, you gon' miss it. Either way, it's my pleasure. This is more like a friendship. I never do no stalking. I never do no tricking. I never do no waiting. I must be out here tripping. I hear you niggas talking. You niggas sound like bitches. I'm all about my riches. I'm working even on Christmas. Lakers versus the Pistons. This shirt cost me a ticket. My girl purse is ridiculous. It's Parmesan on my chicken. I'm dressed like I've been dealing. A silk shirt when I'm chilling. Moon roof in the ceiling. A hundred proof so she feel it. I see you for my building. Together we can make billions. Diamond certified brilliant. This restaurant is Sicilian. Damn, I had the best feeling. Then you had to catch feelings. She always wear the best denim. I fuck with you, you a real one. Uh, waxes be the Brazilian. Taxes over a million. OPM till it's over. Wu tanks for the children. I never do much talking. I never do much tricking. I never do no hating. I'm what the game's been missing. I hear you niggas talking. You niggas sound like bitches. I'm all about my riches and I'm open even on Christmas. Yeah. I'm open even on Christmas. I'm all about my riches and I'm open even on Christmas. Yeah. The world is yours, DJ World Premier, the boy Wonder. Peace, world. This episode is a solo cast today. Uh, my my vision for this episode, Stroke of Genius, I want to recap basically the events that took place June 22nd, 2020. So I'll start off from the beginning of the day. Most of you that know me, uh, you know the struggle that I went through last year, uh, but what I did when I created this podcast, I created this podcast 2014, 2007, 2015, and I basically wanted to document my life, document stories, uh, situations that me and my friends went through, and I, I would have been happy if I got six listeners. I got six friends. I'd have been happy if the only people that listened to it was my my five friends and me, and I would have been totally cool with that. Uh, but we've evolved since then, and it took me a million years to get this shit up and running, but I think it was this 
life event that took place a year ago that kind of kicked me in the ass brought this pod to fruition. So let's start off June 22nd, 2020. It's the day after Father's Day. It's a Monday. I work from home on Mondays. And let me tell you, uh, Father's Day, I got shit face. You hear me? <laughs> I was out here. I was out here living. I had the liquor flowing. I had the beer going. I had the smoke. I mean, I was chilling. I ate good that day. I just hung out and I just really enjoyed the day. So I wake up Monday, getting ready for work and working from home. I get up 7.30, roll out of bed, a little shaky, uh, but it's really, in my mind at least, I'm shaky because I went too hard in the paint the night before. And we all know sometimes when you go too hard in the paint, you know, you do things in excess and you got to shake the cobwebs off. So I just go downstairs. I do my normal routine. I wash my face. I fucking take a shit. I take a piss and I'm chilling. And I'm thinking to myself, God damn, like my head is really in a different place today. But I set my shit up, my laptop set up. I'm getting logged in. Uh, one of my employees reaches out to me, sends me a text. And I'm standing on the front porch and I'm smoking a cig. And for the life of me, I can't read this text message. Like, I can't read it. It's like the fucking text message is in Spanish. And I'm looking at my phone and I'm staring at my phone the hardest I've ever looked at anything for a solid 10 minutes. I'm looking at my phone so long that I I, I didn't even realize it's fucking 8 o'clock. So I just put my phone in my pocket. I go on about my business. I log into the computer. I'm, and I'm having a difficult time doing everything. I can't log in. I can't log in on the first go. And I'm thinking, just got to shake the cobwebs off. You know, you just got to shake the cobwebs off. And my hand is kind of fucked up, but I'm not thinking anything of it because I'm so focused on checking my schedule checking to make sure that I'm getting logged in, checking to make sure that I'm jumping on the big boss call. Every morning, 8.15, there's a big boss phone call. And I call this number every day, right as rain. I call this number at 8.15 every day. So I pick up my work phone. I'm trying to dial in. Takes me forever to dial in. And it's 8.20 now. That's how difficult of a time I'm having this morning. It's 8.20. I finally get logged in. I'm getting instant messages, and I'm attempting to read these instant messages. And just like the text, I'm looking at it. I can see the words. I can't put the words together to form sentences and comprehend what those sentences are saying. And I'm just responding back, you know, with the most minimal shit ever. Yeah go for it. And I'm just, and it's taking me forever to type this shit. But I'm on the call with the boss. I'm on the call. My boss is there. My two peers are there and they're talking and they're going on and on. And I joined late. So nobody really acknowledged that I joined. They just kept going with their conversation. 
and everybody said some cool shit about something, and then somebody says, hey, Derek, what are your thoughts on this? And I went to talk, and I said, now that's not an inaudible segment on the pod. That's literally what I said on the phone. And they said, hey, man, we got a bad connection. (laughs) Hang up up and, and jump back in. So I hang up the phone, and I'm trying to dial back in in my right hand. I, I don't have any function in my right hand. My right hand looks like a crab claw, and I can't use my fingers. I can't use one finger. It's like it's all or nothing. Uh, but I'm doing my thing, and I'm just like, man, <laughs> I got a meeting at 11. I got a meeting at 12. I got a meeting at 1.30. As soon as this call's over, I'm going to wash my ass. I'm going to lay down for a minute and shake off the cobwebs and really, really get my shit together because this is not work behavior. I dial back in finally and they're like, hey, everything okay? Did you fix the audio quality? And all I can muster up is So then my boss sends me an instant message and he says, hey man, (laughs) why don't you take the rest of the day off? So if you know me, you know that I don't just talk on the phone. I talk on the phone and I pace. I walk circles. I do laps, whatever it is. I can't just talk on the phone in a seated position. I got to walk around and do shit because I'm active. I have to be active or else I just feel like something's wrong. So he sends me that pop. I hang up the call and my wife is looking at me. And she's just like, you all right? And I can't even mouth anything to her. And I just wave her off and I start walking because I'm like, hey, man, I'm about to go hit the porch. <laughs> I'm about to go hit a cig real quick. I'm about to lay down. I'm about to take this shower and I'm going to bounce back. And to me, I didn't hear myself saying, I thought I was talking or at least vocally functional to some extent, and I wasn't. At the same time, she's checking on me to see what the fuck is going on with me. My boss sends her an instant message like, hey, you got eyes on this guy? Is he all right? Did he go too hard to paint last night? And she's looking at me and she's looking at my face and she says, what's wrong with your face? And I turn to her and I'm just like, I can't say anything. And I go to sit down, and she's just like, nah, something's wrong with you. We going to the hospital. So I stand up immediately. She pushes me down because, you know, every now and then you got to kick me in the ass to make me do something. So she pushes me, and she didn't push me with, like, a lot of force. It wasn't like a WWF push. It was literally, like, one hand (laughs) barely touched me. Uh, But... As I'm attempting to stand up, I feel her hand, and I couldn't move forward, and I couldn't do anything but fall back down, and I tried to catch myself, but all I had was the crab claw hand available, and she saw that, and she said, nah, I'm calling the ambulance. (laughs) We're going to the fucking hospital. 
So she calls the ambulance and I'm just sitting there looking stupid while she calls the ambulance. And now I'm reaching for the keys. I'm grabbing the car keys because I'm like, hey, don't call the ambulance because that's an expensive ride. I got, a, I got a car sitting outside. We can take this motherfucker. That's what I'm thinking. But I can't vocalize it. And she knew what I was doing when I reached for the car keys. And she said, no, nah, it's too late for that. Ambulance is on its way. Sit your ass down and relax. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with your face? What did you do this morning? What time is it? What's your name? And I'm looking at her. And the first thing that came to mind, 26. Not sure why the number 26 was so significant this day, but that's the number I yelled out. So now she's worried. Ambulance comes. They start asking me questions. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. I never knew that medical professionals needed to ask you this many questions before they helped you. And I don't have a problem with it. I Honestly, I don't have a problem with it. They're doing their job. Hey, do your job, fam. I'm a stubborn asshole. Do your job. But these questions they're asking me, I do not know the answer to. How old are you? When's your birthday? What day is today? What's your name? When's the last time you've been treated for a medical emergency? And I'm just looking at the dude like, hmm. You a funny guy, man, asking me all these questions, and I can't talk. And it still hasn't dawned on me that this isn't normal, that I can't speak, or that something's wrong with my hand, or that my wife said something's wrong with my face. That doesn't dawn on me yet. But the ambulance is outside. They're bringing the, the cart, and I'm just like, fuck it. Don't never get the cart in the fucking house. I'm just going to walk outside. So I grab my phone charger because I, I'm still present of mind. I grab my phone charger. I grab my phones, both of them, the work phone and the, and the personal. And I head outside. I lay on the gurney. And I'm just like, take me away, fam. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but take me away. So they put me in the, in the back of the ambo. She can't come because of the pandemic. Uh, and it's just me. And I see her on the porch standing there, uh, holding shit together while I'm getting carted off. And while they're rushing me to the hospital, shit starts to escalate. I start to feel like I have the worst headache in human history. And I don't get headaches. Before this event, I never had headaches. I wasn't somebody that deals with migraines or gets headaches like, you know, mental, mentally, my brain, I, I thought was a smooth running motherfucking machine. So I'm starting to get this fucking headache, sensitive to light. And they're doing the light test where they put the light in your eye and they <laughs> follow the light, follow the light, checking your pupils out and shit. That's super annoying. Uh, but there's some medical reason for it. I haven't looked it up and done any research, but I'm pretty confident that all these years they wouldn't still be performing this task if there was no purpose. And one of the one of the EMTs, she put pulls up this small book, a child's book, and it's got like two, three sentences on the first page. 
and she's holding it to my face, super close to my face, all in my personal bubble. Don't have a problem with that because you're trying to save my life, right? But, you know, a little, little weary. Like, hey, you're in my personal bubble. Nobody's wearing a mask. Um, and she's like, hey, read this first line. And I'm looking at the first line, and I can see the words. And it was just like when I was attempting to read the text message. It was it was all Spanish. It None of it made sense. And I'm just looking at it, and she can tell. I'm, like, really fucking focused on trying to read this shit and vocalize what I'm reading. But it's nothing's coming out. So then they go back to their normal line of questions. What's your name? What day is it? What's your birthday? What's your social security number? How many fingers am I holding up? You know what my response is? You guessed it. 26. (laughs) Are you 26 years old? 26. So are you 26? Your ID doesn't say you're 26 years old. 26. So when's your birthday? 12. 12, 12 what? 12, what is your birthday? 12, 6, 26, 3. Random numbers I'm just spitting out, and I'm attempting to read this. And now, about an hour into this situation that's happening to me, now I'm worried. What if something's wrong with me? What if? What if I'm changed forever by this? And I don't know what's happening. I just know I can't talk. I just know that my hand doesn't work. I just know, for some strange reason, I'm stupid. Like, dead ass. I'm stupid. Like, why am I just spitting out numbers when people ask me questions? Because in my brain, my inner monologue, I'm spitting. I'm spitting, nigga. I'm getting all this shit off. I'm getting the name shit off, the birthday shit off. I'm getting all this shit off hard, but nothing's coming out. We get to the hospital. They wheel me into the spot and they like, hey, this guy's having a stroke. We need to intervene immediately. And I heard the word stroke. And I instantly panicked. And even though they had me on the garter, on the fucking little whatever the fuck they put you on, I I fucking panicked. And I tried to raise up off that bitch, but they had me strapped down. But I tried to raise up off that bitch and run away because I heard stroke. And I've never heard good things after somebody suffered a stroke. I mean, you, you hear the general good things, right? Like they survived. But do you hear that people that have strokes have a huge uh, a huge percentage of, of quality life after that? And that's what my main concern was then, because they just said stroke. Like, when you're in the hospital, especially in an emergency situation, they talk about you like you can't hear it. And that is, I guess that's my fucking coaching opportunity for medical professionals. Like, hey, you motherfuckers need to whisper. Y'all got to learn sign language. Y'all got to text each other. Like, y'all got to find another way to communicate with each other that I can't be a part of. Put some earmuffs on me, motherfucker, because, like, they said that. And I tried to raise up. 
and oh we got a runner and it's like oh shit like he's trying to fucking run and he's strapped to the fucking gurney but they strapped me down even more they put me on the fucking flatbed part of the gurney where they could lift that shit off the wheels and they threw me in the fucking cat scan machine they throw me in the cat scan machine they tell me not to move they tell me not to talk they tell me everything's going to be okay. And they saw my emotional state. And they said, hey, look, is there anybody you need us to call for you? Because we can make a phone call for you. And I got two phones in my hand, in my good hand. I got two phones. And I got my fucking phone charger in my pocket. And I, and I can't vocalize anything but numbers. And the number that I vocalized wasn't even a legit phone number. So they feed me in the machine. The bitch is loud as fuck. Loud as a bitch. I mean, and I got a banging headache. And this shit is just the loudest. It sounds like you're in a fucking underground mine or something. It's just like you're inside a vacuum. And they're doing their thing and they're looking and shit. And then they're asking questions still. And it's close to 930 now. I've been experiencing this stroke for somewhere close to 90 minutes, almost two hours. And I start to feel back to my normal self almost. Uh, They asked questions and they're still asking questions and they're asking me not to move. They're asking me if my headache is going down. And after they asked me about 15 questions, the first thing I said was my name. And it wasn't related to any question they had asked. But I just wanted them to know, hey, I can fucking talk now. I can fucking like, hey, you asked me my name like 20 times an hour ago. Guess what? This is my name. Boom. This is my birthday. Boom. This is what day it is. Boom. And I'm running down the list of questions that they kept asking me. And they're like, hey, that's cool, man. Uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up till you get out the machine, bro. We're working over here. Like, we, we, we know who the fuck you are. We went through your wallet, which also pissed me off. Don't do a fucking biopsy on my wallet, bro. Like, come on. Hey. I know I couldn't talk and shit, but damn, you, like, went in my wallet? Like, what if I had rubs in there? What if I had fucking money in there and it came up missing? Like, who's responsible for that? But (laughs) I'm not going to be an asshole about that part. But (laughs) they, you know, tell me to shut up, and I shut up, and I come out the machine, and they're like, hey, uh, we, we we need to talk to you about what's happening. Uh, do you have a minute? And I said, hold on one second. As soon as I got out the machine, I made the phone call. Hey, uh, <laughs> the doctor said I just had a stroke. Um, I don't know if you planned on coming down uh, to the hospital or anything, uh, but I'm I'm out the machine now. I can talk now. Uh, so, like, just come through and get me when you're ready because, like, I can hit the crib now. <laughs> And there was so much uh, fake laughter and anger on the other side of the phone. And then I say, hey, um, 
they're about to talk to me about some important shit and I'm I'm gonna they're gonna take me back to a quiet room until my room is ready. So I guess I gotta stay tonight. But before I let you go, I need you to call my boss. I had a meeting at eleven o'clock with this person. I had a meeting at twelve o'clock with this person. I had a meeting at one fifteen with this person. I need you to call my boss and tell him to tell these people that I won't be in these meetings today and that this person can cover for me in this meeting, this person can cover for me in this meeting, and boom, somebody else is already in this one meeting that can cover for me. And by the time I got all that out, she hung up the phone, as she should have. So the doctor tells me, hey, man, uh, you had a stroke. And what this event is, is when a blood clot goes to your brain. In this instance, the blood clot went to the right side of your brain, to the right rear side of your brain. That's why you couldn't talk, because that's where the speech is. That's why your hand was basically frozen because that's what controls that area. That's why your face has partial paralysis because it's all happening on the right side. So I'm I'm looking at him. We talking right now, my nigga. Like right now in this moment, we're talking. Me and you, we're having words. I think this is a misdiagnosis. I think I think what you saw on the machine just isn't correct because I don't feel like I had a stroke. I don't feel like I've been impacted and I had a a cerebral event as they refer to it. I don't feel like I had a cerebral event. I, I got a little wasted last night. I just had to shake off the cobwebs, fam. This is like a hangover. He's like, no, this is way bigger than a hangover. Like people would hang people who had strokes wish it was just a hangover. Like this is deep. So he goes into explaining the shit and I guess I guess bedside manner isn't for all medical professionals. And I don't want y'all to think I just fucking started a pod so I could bang on medical professionals. They do a good fucking job, bro. Uh, but some of their shit just needs to be paced out. Um, put, putting me uh, in a situation where he's giving me bedside manner to tell me all of this, and he's running down this list of shit that happened, and none of it makes sense. And I'm not even at a point where I can absorb this information as I should. I, I'm not at that place yet. Shit, it's been a year. I'm probably still not at that place. But right then and there in the moment was not the time. They gave me a COVID test because people who are asystem- asymptomatic often have blood clot-related issues after they've had COVID and they didn't know it. So they gave me a, a, a COVID test, and now I'm just playing the weight game 
for the test results to come back so they can put me in a room somewhere and know if I should be on the COVID side of the hospital or if I can go to the side of the hospital with the regular ass people. So I'm sitting in this waiting room for a very long time. It's cold. I got on fucking shorts uh, because I was literally just hanging out at the house, you know, working and shit. And I call my person, not available. So I shoot a text message and in typical me fashion, uh, I just shoot a text message like, hey, I'm all right. Everything's okay. Don't panic. If you know me and you ever receive a text message from me saying, hey, everything's all right. Don't worry. Don't panic. I'm okay. I want you to know the exact opposite is happening at that moment when I send you that text message. Right now, if I text you, hey, everything's all right. I'm okay. Don't panic. Assume I've been kidnapped. That's a red alert. And she knew that. Uh, so she was just like, hey, man, when I get off work, man, <laughs> I got you. I'm going to hit you. But, like, don't die. <laughs> and that's pretty much the general message of most of my fucking relationships with people. Hey, man, just don't die. Like, don't get captured. Don't get kidnapped. So I'm waiting. I'm playing a waiting game. They finally get me a room hours later. I mean, it's fucking one o'clock by the time I get a room. Uh, so in that time when I was waiting, you know, I call my mom, she's on her way driving out to where I live. And I call her, I'm like, Hey man, you can turn the car around. Like, I'm good. Like you can turn the car around. We good. Like I'll, I'll hit you later. <laughs> she's like, Hey, Hey, I, I, I'm, we're not going to play these games today, sir. Uh, I'm I'm 45 minutes away and I'm not leaving until I see your face. So like, just deal with it. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, well, hey, let's keep this let's keep this low. Like, we don't need to make any big announcements to the family. She was like, no, I called your brother. I called, called your aunt Carol. I called this person. I called I called the pastor. Uh, your uncle's gonna call you. We're gonna pray over you tonight. And I'm like, well, goddamn, my nigga, like. I'm- <laughs> How many phone calls can you make in three hours with no information? Uh, But that's moms, right? That's why you got to love moms, because no matter what is going on in your life, if you're fucked up in the game, mom's going to get on the horse and ride out for you. She's going to be there for you by your side because that's moms, bro. And that's just part of the game. Uh. I'm not mad about it. I'm not indifferent about it. I just appreciate that it's it's there. That feeling is there. So by the time I get to my room, you know, the doctor starts talking that shit again, and he starts talking about what happened, and now he's got pictures. You know, he's got the CAT scan shit from my head, the MRI shit from my head or whatever they did. So now he's got pictures. And the pictures help make it make sense. But if we're going to keep it a buck, the pictures really look like the fucking bullshit weather channel when they're showing you how the cold front is coming in and they show you the Doppler radar shit. Like, that's what the brain looks like in these machines. 
but I could I could spot where the blood clot was. So he's like, hey, when you sat down on the machine, this is the blood clot. And the blood clot looked like the size of a, of a half dollar. He said within 30, 20, 20 minutes of you being in the machine, we're prepping to intervene with this situation. So when we intervene with this situation, like we go in your head and we fucking put a fucking suction cup in there and, and get the blood clot out or do whatever they had to do. And while they were prepping to do that, because they identified it, they noticed that it was getting smaller and it was dissolving and it was fixing itself. So I just happened to be a part of a very small population of people that can have this cerebral event and my brain fixes it without intervention being needed. So I'm pumped up. I'm like, oh, shit. It's no reason for y'all to keep me overnight now. And they're like, um, fam, what did you talk about? I'm like, look, my brain fixed this shit. We good. It's 12. It's 1 o'clock. We in the middle of a fucked up work day. Like, cut me loose. Nah, fam. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily work like that. Like, we don't want this shit to happen again. And because this shit has happened once, it's a very high possibility that it's going to happen again. And I can't guarantee that every time this happens, it's just going to fix itself. So now I'm fucked up. And now I look stupid. Now I'm confused. And now I'm kind of... I'm kind of angry. Well, not kind of angry. I'm angry at this point because I, I, I'm I not a huge fan of being told what I can't do. And I'm also not a huge fan of not understanding my body. You know, I, I'm going through the motions where I feel like my body betrayed me because of what took place and the doctor starts talking his shit and he's like hey man you drink you smoke you you puff on a little herb you smoke cigarettes like yeah you know (laughs) i gotta stop (laughs) so the first thing he says is yeah that's why this happened because you drink and you smoke that's why this happened so now I'm not even just angry anymore. Now I'm befuddled because I know some cats out here that give it up. You hear me? I'm talking about give it up. Grams a day, powder, bud, drink, crazy shit, crazy pill popping animals. I know motherfuckers that is out here. They can't get out of bed without some nonsense. And they walking around upright free as fuck, healthy as a bitch, and me celebrating Father's Day, like, this is what happens to me? So now, I'm also, I also lose faith in this doctor's message because it can't be that. I'm 36 years old. It can't be that. It can't be 
because I was smoking that drink, I had a stroke. That's fucking, that's unbelievable to me. It's got to be some other shit. Uh, but later on, about an hour later, they come in there, the nurses come in there, and they said, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to do an echo test. This is pretty standard. Uh, what we do is we put a sonogram on your chest, you know, like they do for the pregnant ladies, but we put it on your chest, and, and, we, look and we look at your heart. And then what we're going to do, since you got an IV, we're going to pump some saline in your IV while we have the sonogram on it. And we're going to look at the bubbles. So if the bubbles go over your heart like an arch, that's good. Well, they did the shit to me and the bubbles started going over my heart and then they just started floating straight up. They never made a full lap around my heart. So that let them know that something's wrong with my heart. 36 years old, and I'm finding out that not only did I have a fucking cerebral event, but I have cardiac issues. I got heart issues now. So now I'm like, oh, man, like, them. <laughs> Motherfuckers trying to take me out on a fucking Monday. Like, I know I hate Mondays, but I didn't want Mondays to hate me back, right? <laughs> like, who who said, like, you'll hate me back Monday, and then Monday just trashed me like this? So that's the fucking crazy part. And they were real patient with me. They answered all my questions at this point. Now I'm able to receive this information because it's not just an assumption of, Hey, you smoke, you drink. That's why this happened. And, you know, that could have been, if that was it, I, I still would have felt the way, but I would have quit. You know what I mean? But I, I would, I definitely would have felt the way about that. So now the conversation isn't just you had a cerebral event. Now the conversation is, well, we need to talk about your heart. The way your heart works, you got these ventricles and one of them brings the blood in, goes across your heart, gets oxygen, comes out the other one. Well, for me, it was bringing the blood in. It was getting oxygen, but instead of going out of the other one, it was coming out of the hole in my heart. And the hole in my heart was probably the size of a quarter. So a pretty big hole. They're shocked. They're asking me a lot of questions about this hole in my heart as if I knew it was there. And through the conversation and the line of questioning, uh, they discovered that this probably went unfound for 36 years of my life because I was born overseas. I'm a military brat. My father always said he had to read more books, take more tests so he could fix tanks for the army than the doctors did to be doctors for the army. I don't know if that's true or not, but if a guy says it enough times, it's going to sink in. And if something happens like this, you're going to say, fucking army doctors. Now, shout out to the Army doctors, not the ones that were in Berlin, Germany in 1983. Y'all ain't shit. Y'all didn't do your job right, but whatever. 
West Side Berlin too. Gang, gang. So we're going through the process of this echo. We're getting information about what that looks like, what the fix for that looks like. And I'm not having a great stay in the hospital. Side note, if anybody knows me, you guys know me, most of you guys know me, but if you knew me before the stroke, uh, one thing that you can say about me, man, I was a, I was a cool guy. Like I was a legit cool guy, not cool. Like fucking, I always had the coolest shoes or I always fucking had a cool outfit. Not that kind of cool, but like cool behavior wise. Jokey, jokey or quiet, but I was always cool. You never see me get too hype. You never see me get too low. You never see me get angry. You never see me get fucking sad and crying and depressed. Uh, but after this cerebral event, I was a different guy. My behavior, my fuse was short. Not only was my fuse short, but a stutter, stuttering issue that impacted my speech that I had until I fucking was in high school and I thought I fixed it, came back at the age of 36. My mouth is my moneymaker. I talk all day at work. I'm talking, I'm talking shit at work all day. I'm coaching. I'm facilitating classes. So my mouth is my moneymaker. So I pride myself on communication. I pride myself on clear communication that people can understand the first, first go round. So struggling with this stutter fresh off the stroke was a big deal for me. It was a big, big deal for me because now I have to teach everybody how to communicate with me. And there are a lot of faux pas that people made in the early stages of this. I was in the hospital and they're asking me questions and I start talking and I start trying to get it out and I hit a stutter, I hit a hard stammer, and then they would finish my sentence for me. And let me tell you folks something. If you know anyone with a speech impediment, a speech ailment, that is a cardinal sin. Please do not finish a motherfucker's sentence for them when they are going through or working through that process. They have to finish it. They have to finish it. You finishing it for them is heat, 100% heat. And that's what it is. My memory was shit. My memory is terrible. I have the fucking, this is a steel trap, baby. I don't forget shit. But after that event happened, I couldn't remember anything that we, if we talked about it five minutes ago, I need to write it down because I'm not going to remember this shit. And I started seeing that the first day. I started seeing that the second day. And it was a big, it was a big hurdle for me to jump trying to address that because it's a change of life. It's a change of life. It's a change of patterns. When you can today, you can rely on your memory to get you through. Hey, go go to the grocery store, get milk, 
get cereal, get ice cream. Cool. And you go to the store, you get those three items, and you go on about your business. This turned into me getting in the car, forgetting that I was even going to the store. I'm at the red light too long. The light turned green, and I'm sitting there like, now where the fuck was I going? That's weird. I don't remember where I was going. And that's how bad that's how bad it was. Uh, but back to where we are. So we're talking about the heart piece. I get some more work done the first night. The second day, they're making a plan for me to have what's called a PFO closure, where they're basically going to put a patch on my heart to close up the hole so that no more blood clots can come out of the heart. Cool. No problem. Blood clot started this. Put a patch over that motherfucker so it don't happen again. Hey, we also want to put a monitor in your chest so that we can monitor your heart behavior. So if a clot does happen, we'll get we'll get notified and we'll notify you and tell you to sit your ass down or come into the hospital. Cool. No problem. I can live with that. Like, hey, if you got to put fucking GPS in me, my boy, you got to see it through, right? You got I'll take it. I've put worse things in my body. That's totally okay. So we go through that process and dealing with the physical therapist for my hand, dealing with the speech therapist for my speech, having somebody walk me around the hospital to make sure that I had all my facilities available. It's difficult. It's difficult because I'm independent. I don't need no help, fam. I don't need no help. I don't need nobody watching over me. I don't need no babysitter. Uh, But I understand the position I'm in, so I'm patient with this process. What I'm not patient with is I'm not patient not being 100% and not knowing how to fix it. You know, they're... Their care and their resolution was more long-term. But this is Tuesday. This is Wednesday. I need to know how the fuck I'm going to get my memory back. I need to know how I'm going to get my hand back under control. I need to know how I'm going to get this stutter out. Because guess what? As soon as I'm out of here, I'm going back to work. And these motherfuckers ain't going to cut me no break at work because I can't get the shit out. I can't get my thoughts out. I need to be able to do that. So you've heard me talk about work quite a lot. And and that's, that's a running theme. A lot of what fueled my behavior struggles post the cerebral event is because I'm dedicated to my job. I'm dedicated to this shit. You know, I I fucking, I'm at a point in life, and I I felt this way at least last year. I'm at this point in life where my kids are grown and past that, right? They don't need me for everything. It's not like I got kids and pampers. 
and they can't do shit without me. These kids got licenses. These kids got jobs. These kids got their own kids. So they don't need me day to day. They might need some advice. They might need some direction. They might need some guidance, some coaching, but they don't need me day to day to get by like they used to. And I dedicated myself to perfecting my craft because that's important to me. That's my purpose. And I know that sounds fucked up because, like, you're a family man. You're somebody's partner. You're somebody's person. You're somebody's father. How can work be your purpose? But that's just what I'm raised. That's just how I'm raised. My, both of my parents, military parents, both of their parents worked hard as shit until they retired. I don't even think I ever seen either set of grandparents take a fucking day off of work like ever. And that's what was beating my head. I'm 37 now. I've been working since I was 14. The longest I've ever been unemployed is 30 days. I've been at my current job for 13 years. The job before that, six years. That's 19 years. And I'm 37. That's a bar, fam. Like, that's a bar. Like, can I get some gunshots in this bitch? Like, that's a bar. I got a promotion in 2019. So in 2020, in May 2019, I got a promotion. So in June 2020, I'm just hitting my stride. I can't take time off of work because now these other niggas is on my heels. And I can't let them catch up to me because I just hit my stride. If this is a track meet, like, I'm in it. I got pole position, pause. Like, I'm here. And I've dedicated myself to my craft. I've dedicated myself to my job because that's how I can provide for my family. I don't see a different way of operating. I, I At that moment, I didn't see a different way of operating. So that's why, as soon as I hop off the MRI CAT scan machine, I fucking make that phone call, and I'm like, hey, I need you to call my boss and tell him I got meetings at this time, this time, because the show doesn't fucking stop for me. And that's a that's a illness, probably. <laughs> I, I preach work-life balance all the time, and I turn around and I work 10-hour days. I work 12-hour days. I work six hours on the weekend. And I preach work-life balance to my staff because I need them to have work-life balance because I don't. And they need to be a reflection of me, but they also have to be better than me. And in some areas where I lack, hey, hey, look, guess what? I, I got you. And where I lack, they got me. That's the team structure. But these motherfuckers is on my heel, and I can't miss work. So that's my level of dedication. That's why every time I turn around in this event or in this recovery part of the event, my concern is work. Because that's my purpose. That gives me a sense of purpose. That fucking, you get out of bed in the morning and you're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a good day because 
I got my partner. I got my kids. And me and my kids are doing some cool shit. Nah, my nigga, I get up like that because guess what? I got a coaching session at 9. I'm going to coach the shit out of this motherfucker. I got a session for this at 8. I'm going to roll this shit out. I got a pitch meeting at 12. I'm going to fucking yak in the bathroom at 11.30. But I'm going to go pitch some shit, sell some shit, and make these jokers some money at 12 o'clock. And that's going to put some stripes on my back because that's my purpose. That's my goal. I was in it so long and hard in my attempts to move up. Nothing else mattered. And that's hard because family always comes first. Uh, Your personal health always comes first. Making sure you take care of you always comes first because if you're not good, then how can everything that you put yourself into be anything more than that? If you 80% and you put your all into work, you just put 80% into work. If you're not 100, you can't give 100. And that's what I struggled with for the first 364 days after I had a stroke. That's what I struggled with for 364 days. And, and today is, you know, 365. So I'm, I'm not going to say the light bulb just went off and I'm good now, but uh, I'm getting there. Um, but back to back to the, the, the patch, the PFO closure, um, that, that shit went terrible. They didn't put me to sleep. Um and I, it's funny because they gave me a little bit of laughing gas so that they could intubate me. They gave me a little bit of laughing gas so they could do that. And like, right when they gave it to me, I'm fucking taking videos, right? <laughs> and I'm taking videos and I'm like sending it to my brother. I'm like, yo, California, gang, gang. I was like, where we at right now? And the nurse is just like, we're in the waiting room, sir. I'm like, oh, yeah, we in the waiting room, right? So it's like you under arrest, but you're not really under arrest. Like, you're about to get arrested. And she was just like, oh, yeah, he's good. He's good to go. Like, go ahead and put the tube in him. He's good. He's high. And I'm telling her, like, nah, man, I've been getting high since fifth grade. You got to use some stronger shit on me if you want to get me high. And next thing you know, she said, hey, count backwards from 100. I think by the time I got to, like, 96, I was out. I was out for 10 minutes. I wake up. I had a tube in me and I'm looking at this big screen and this shit is pretty amazing. But on the big screen, it's them operating on me. It's them going into my body with whatever machines they were using and basically putting the patch over my heart. Uh, It was great that I got to see it. Uh, I wish I had my uh, right set of mind so I could have recorded it because I'm really big into content now. Uh, And I just think everybody should be able to see something like that. It's pretty cool. Uh, But we get out of there. uh, And what they did was they, for the PFO closure, they drilled holes in my pelvis. Like both sides right and i won't stop bleeding 
They've had me on blood thinners for a couple days, so I can't stop bleeding. Like they've physically tried to their whole they got nurses in my growing area holding down as tight as they can to stop the bleeding and it's just not happening. So while they're doing that, the heart lady's just like, yo, you supposed to be upstairs. We supposed to put this monitor in your chest. But they can't send me up there because I won't stop bleeding. So she's pressed for time. She got attitude. She was just like, hey, y'all want to learn something real quick? Watch this. So she fucking shaves my chest. She cuts a hole in it. She slides the heart monitor in that bitch. Uh, she puts some stitches in that hole. And now I got a little Tony Stark going on. I got a little chest plate thing that I'm going to have in me for three years. I uh, can't go through metal detectors. I got a gang of cards in my wallet explaining all of my medical information just in case I fall out somewhere and they have to do a wallet biopsy. Or if I'm at the airport and they think it's a bomb, when it's not a bomb, it's just a heart monitor. Uh, so cool shit. But I got an attitude because I've literally been bleeding for like four hours. And I got to take a piss, fam. Like, like low-key, I got to take a piss. And they finally wheel me back up to my room. And <laughs> I'm just like, yo, fam, uh, as soon as y'all leave out of here, like, go on and, like, unplug this IV real quick. I got to take a piss. Like, I've been holding this all day. And they, <laughs> they say, hey, you can't get out of bed. You can't stop sitting upright for six hours after you stop bleeding. Like, hold on, hold on, my nigga. What? Like, I gotta hold this until eleven o'clock, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, you gotta hold it till eleven o'clock." So I got an attitude. I got a big attitude now. I'm talking big attitude. Like, I'm popping shit to the nurses. The nurses that were so nice to me that brought me French toast. Like, I'm popping shit because now I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. I feel dirty. I gotta take a piss. And I can't do anything but sit in the upright position for the next six hours. It's going to be a long six hours for y'all and a long six hours for me. And they like, oh, yeah, but we got this cool shit. We got this cool shit going on here, man. Let me show you what it is. It's called a condom catheter. Nope. <laughs> Keep that shit away from me, bro. Uh, young man comes in. He's like, hey, man, you want to try this condom catheter? I'll show you how to put it on. Hey. I'm a grown-ass adult. I know I got a gang of kids and my pull-out game probably weak, but don't don't sleep and think I need help putting on a condom. Put the motherfucker on. Start trying to pee. Of course you can't pee when you want to pee and when you're in a weird, strange position. Like, you can't force yourself to pee on yourself. It's, it's a medical proven fact. I don't understand it. Uh, but nothing happened. And then when I felt like something was happening, I looked down. And the condom catheter is on the other side of the bed, nowhere close to being attached to me. So I'm glad I didn't pee. But I looked down, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You guessed it, motherfucker. I'm bleeding again. <laughs> I'm bleeding again. I've literally been bleeding for six hours straight. And I have to stop bleeding for six hours so I can get the fuck out this bed. So the nurses come in. Med alarms is going off, crash cards, they're calling for fucking backup, and it's shift change all at the same time. 
So it ain't the motherfuckers that was just in here dealing with me. It's a whole new gang of motherfuckers that don't know my situation that come in the room like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Why are you bleeding? So they caught heat, all right? They caught heat. Sorry, uh, medical professionals, but they caught some heat that day. A lot of it. Six hours worth of heat. It was probably the worst shift of their life coming into that room dealing with me. And it was tough. It was tough for them. It was tough for her because she's just sitting there and she's worried, like visibly worried, like, yo, (laughs) for real, why won't you stop bleeding? (laughs) Shit. Damn if I know. Why are you being so mean to these people? They just trying to help you. And it's just like, fam, like sit in my seat. Like I got to pee. I've been sitting in this seat, in this bed all day. I don't want nothing but to get up and like walk some laps and everything's going wrong. And because some shit happened right there at the verge of a shift change, nobody communicated with each other. The shit was a very inefficient process. But because how I communicated it, none of that shit mattered. It was just all about my delivery. So that's a hard thing for me to deal with because I'm used to delivering shit in a good manner. Now my delivery's poor and I'm an asshole and I'm not patient and I'm stuttering and I got a chip on my shoulder. Uh, so it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. And we back. So fresh out of surgery. Surgery was tough. Um, I got this big-ass bruise on my chest. Uh, I finally stopped bleeding. I'm Jones and Four Smoke. Uh, I'm also going through some strange, some strange uh, relationship battles because the missus needs to be at the hospital because that's her place, right? But mom drove from out of town to also be here. So they're switching and taking shifts and, you know, I'm going to go and then I'll come home and then you can go because only one person can be there at a time. And I'm not the hugest fan of that, but I know you have to kind of manage all relationships. Um, and, and then I still got this fucking big ass attitude from from hell like. Really, really tough times for everybody that had to deal with me. Um, But now I'm like, they got to cut me loose. Like, they have to cut me loose. Like, I pray to God they cut me loose because I can't stay in here another day. It's, It's not comfortable. It's not my house. It's not my comfort zone. It's cold. They got this fucking gown on me. My ass is out. I can't even take a shower, fam, and I feel dirty. Like, you know when you feel dirty? Like, you you don't want nothing more than a cold shower. I've been bleeding for 12 hours straight in my growing area. Like, I just want to take a shower, fam. None of that shit's happening. 
uh, next day, I got a visit from my person, brightened up my whole day. Uh, shit was peace. And everything checked out. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to cut you loose and send you home tomorrow. I'm like, fam, it's Thursday. I've been in this bitch since Monday. Let me go home today. If you don't need shit else from me, let me go home today. Please, I beg of you. So they cut me loose. They let me go home. I came home, sat in my chair, did my thing. Uh, but I, my struggle is, once again, it's my behavior. It's It's my need to get back to what's comfortable for me and not just work but how I communicate with people, uh, how I don't fly off the handle. I mean, my fuse is short. I got angry at the ride. I got angry on the ride home because the fucking light was too long. And and not just like the angry you get when you got somewhere to be and the light's a little bit longer than it's supposed to be. Like I went on a 15-minute rant about traffic lights and traffic patterns and how they need to be improved because this is how traffic starts. And it was just a bunch of bullshit, but it was anger. But that was the new me, the post-stroke me. So being home was difficult. And being home in the middle of a pandemic and being home when I was told I'm not allowed to drive. And like I said, I'm independent as fuck. Like, I'm going, if I need to go to the 7-Eleven to get me a bottle of water and some chips, I'm just going to get up and go. I'm not telling nobody, hey, I'm going to 7-Eleven. Is that okay? Does anybody need something? Like, that's not my shit. That's not how I'm giving it up. Like, if I want to go, I'm going to just go. Deuce, nigga. Check me out. Uh, And I got home on a Thursday, uh, Sunday morning. Nigga, I broke out of baby jail. You hear me? Sunday morning. Nobody's up. Doctor said I needed to get active. Sunday morning, I wake up 9 o'clock. What do I do? Going for a fucking walk. You hear me? They won't let me drive. That's okay. I'm going for a fucking walk. I'm going for a walk in the fucking park, fam. Threw some shorts on. Threw a shirt on. It's 9 o'clock. Nobody's woke. Am I going to wake somebody up to tell them I'm going outside to go for a walk? Fuck no, because I never did it before. I never did it before, and I'm be damned if I'm going to start. So absolutely not. Go on a walk three miles in, a strong three miles too. And I do not recommend this for anybody who was just released from the hospital two or three days before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my doctor doesn't recommend it either. When he said stay active, I don't think he meant this shit. But I'm out here walking. Get my three miles in. I'm heading back to the house. My phone blows up. It's mom. What? What's up, mom? You, you didn't text me this morning. What you talking about? I told you, you got to text me every morning from now on. I got to text you every morning? So I'm already defiant. I already don't like doing things that people are telling me to do. But tell me the purpose. What's what what is the benefit of me texting you every morning when I wake up? Well, you had a stroke. 
So I just want to know that you woke up. And I said, Mom, I had the stroke after I woke up. So even if I text you good morning, I could still have the stroke an hour later, just like I did. You're missing the point. Am I missing the point? And to this day, I still don't know if I actually missed the point or not. But nobody cared about my reason for, like, why do I have to check in every morning? Everybody was just like, well, what's wrong with texting your mama good morning? It's like, it's not, it's not the point. It's not, that's not the point, fam. I don't like the check-ins. Like, I'm not on probation. I'm not on parole. I don't have, like, I'm not on house arrest. Like, why do I have to check in? Like, my beef is with the check-in. But it's not, it's because I feel like, Things are changing, and and after this stroke happened, I wanted the least amount of change possible because I wanted the least amount of reminders possible that I went through this event. Uh, Went on this walk, caught hell, caught hell for going on this walk. Uh, over, Over the next week or two from being home, I had massive arguments at home, and the arguments were fueled by incompetence from the people that were handling my leave of absence from work because they fucked up and didn't didn't check a box and I didn't get a paycheck. And they fucked up and they said, hey, doctor said you need to go get in help, get in shape. So we're going to set you up with somebody that's going to we got an exercise guru, and he's going to help you get in shape. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So the motherfucker calls me up. He was just like, hey, what do you do for exercise? Nothing. That's why I'm calling you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you got to stay active. Yeah, I know I got to stay active. What do I need to do to stay active? Like, are you going to come by the crib? Are we going to do some sets? You going to tell me my form is good, my form is bad? Like, what is your role? No, I just want to tell you, you know, you got to stay active and, uh, you know, try walking. All right. But they told me you was, like, going to work out with me or some shit and, like, tell me, like, you know, how to do the proper workouts. And No, no, that's not what I do. I'm just here to tell you, you know, you got to stay active. Maybe you should start walking. So I hang up the phone on this dumbass nigga, and now I'm pissed. Because that's not what they sold me when they gave me this young man's information and when they gave him my information. That's not what they sold me. That's not how they sold me that. They told me it was going to be some real cool shit. And I'm holding them on their word to that. And it didn't happen. Another another area of disappointment. And that shit was just in the long chain of disappointments. And I had a very difficult time expressing that. So to to the outside world, it looked like I was just bitching just a bitch. But I really was like making a valid complaint and nobody could see my valid complaint. So then I just looked like an asshole. So then I just argued with everybody. I said some foul shit and... picked up the car keys and I got in the car and I was getting in the car and someone said to me 
I just hope you don't crash your car and kill somebody because you know you ain't supposed to be driving. And guess what? I'm a fucking rebel, and I hate being told what I can and cannot do. So I got in that fucking car, and I went on the longest 25-minute road trip ever. Literally 25 minutes I was gone. <laughs> and I panicked the whole time because it had been two weeks since I had drove. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to hit somebody? Am I driving too fast? What happens if my airbags deploy? What happens if I have a stroke while I'm driving and now the shit's in my head and I can't shake it? And how do you operate normally after something like that happens? Like, how do you operate normally? I, I don't know. And I was trying to figure this shit out the best way I could. And every time I turned around, it was just very difficult. But one thing that I said that I was going to do once I started working on myself, once I started working through my recovery, I said I was going to document everything because documentation is important. I kind of lived like a drug dealer. Before this shit happened, I didn't take pictures. I wasn't fucking, I wasn't fucking on the, on the apps. I wasn't all over the place. You probably rarely saw my face. I didn't do videos. Well, after this shit happened, I don't fucking leave the house without a picture, a video. Like I'm, I'm going to document something. And that's, that's important to me. That, that means something to me. And, before I could even shake this stutter, I said, you know what would make me really happy? If I could get this pod shit off that I've been talking about for six, seven years, if I could get this shit up and running, even though the podcast space is oversaturated and the pandemic made everybody feel like they could have a podcast and you know, it's your fucking right to have a podcast, bro. Like, you want to have a podcast, have a podcast. You want to make a podcast talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for 30 minutes a day? Like, do your thing, fam. Like, I'm going to listen. But I've been talking about this for so long. I didn't care if anybody listened to it. If Ben listened to it, if John listened to it, if L listened to it, if Chris listened to it, if Jairus listened to it, I was happy. Like, that's literally all I needed. If my guys listen to this shit, I'm happy. I wanted to come out with a mixtape. 60-minute mixtape, one track. Can't skip shit. Gotta listen to the whole thing. Gotta let it play from start to finish. I always wanted to do that. The pod was the perfect avenue for it, but I had to get shit under control. And the month of July, post my stroke, was probably the worst month ever. I couldn't get out the bed. Like, I had a hard time getting out of the bed every day. My kid came to town after my birthday, and I, I had no purpose to get out the bed every morning. And there were dark days. And not just dark because I got blackout curtains. It was just dark days. I 
had no reason to get out the bed. I'd get out the bed. I'd go for my walk. Five, six miles. Thinking that shit would pump me up. I'd come home. Take a shower. I'm in the bed for the rest of the day, fam. Don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> like, legit. Like, don't fucking talk to me. And y'all know that's not how I give it up. Like, y'all know that's not how I give it up. I can talk to a ham sandwich. Uh, but what I was battling was extreme behavior changes, and that led to depression. And that was different because I couldn't express or explain why I couldn't get out of bed. I just, hey, man, I'm just not feeling it today. And some days I didn't go on my walk. I just fucking just didn't get out the bed. I'm open around the house, and it took everything in me. And people were so patient, and I'm so thankful for my family because it took a lot of patience to deal with me in that time because they're celebrating me recovering. And they want to be happy about that. And they want to live in that moment about my recovery. But for me, it wasn't recovery. For me, it was a loss. I lost quality of life. In my mind, I lost quality of life. Now, I know, and and trust me, when I went to the doctors, they were like, you had a stroke? You had a stroke? You sure you had a stroke? Like, they're asking me, like, hard-ass questions. like Because we don't normally see people able-bodied, physically able to do X, Y, and Z, physically able to do this, this, and this, mentally capable of doing all the things you're doing that had a stroke. Are you sure you had a stroke? And then I take my mask off because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and it's like, oh, yeah, I can see the droop on, on the right side of your face. And let me tell you something else. Like, that pisses me off because I know my face. I don't think there's a droop, fam. I do not think there's a droop. But these motherfuckers, everybody said it. As soon as I took my mask off, oh, yeah, I can see the droop. Like, no, bitch, it's not a droop. Check my ID. Like, I always look like this. I got a lazy face. I got a lazy eye. I got sleepy eyes. Like, fam, like, you're not going to put this droop on me. But it's probably there. I just can't see it because fucking I see my face every day, right? And I'm not looking at my face when they're looking at it. In the mirror, I don't see a droop. But from the nurse's angle, from the doctor's angle, everybody sees the droop. So this recovery was, it was a battle. And everybody dropped the ball in July. I didn't get my speech therapy. I didn't get my physical therapy. I didn't get my occupational therapy. I didn't get my behavioral therapy. And I didn't get a paycheck. I did not get a paycheck. They fucked up the books. Didn't get a paycheck because somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do with that company that shall not be named. So. And I can't go back to work. I go see a doctor mid-July. Yeah, man, just wait till you see your primary. Late August. 
Like, God damn, bro. Go see another doctor at the end of July. Heart doctor. Got nothing to do with my stroke. He's he's looking at my heart. He's like, yo, the patch looks good. The heart monitor looks good. Like, you doing good, man. And he starts talking to me, and I start popping shit. He's like, yo, what's up with that fucking stutter you got? Hey, man, this is the shit I'm talking about. He's like, hey, man, we need to sign you up for some, some speech therapy. I was like, yeah, my hand's fucked up. I can't fucking do anything with my hand. It's my beat-off hand, dog. Like, you know what this shit is like in my house? That's probably why I was depressed. Couldn't touch myself because my beat-off hand was weak as a bitch. Talking 18 PSI. I need occupational therapy because I can't remember shit. So he's like, hey, man, I'm going to get this taken care of for you. After a month of everybody dropping the ball and not handling the referrals like they were supposed to, I meet him late July. I'm talking like July 28th. I had all three of my appointments set up by the 4th of August. Like it happened that quick. Like a week later, I'm fucking getting on the road to, I'm finally on the road to recovery. That month setback where I was just sitting in those feelings sitting in that negative moment, it did so much damage to not like my ego, but it did damage to my psyche because I started losing a sense of self. Like who the fuck am I? Like what 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 the fuck am I really good at? What am I really good for? Nobody wants to be around me because I'm an asshole. I'm also sad and depressed, so nobody wants to be around me. I I was told on numerous occasions I'm not fun anymore, and that was my shit. Like, I was the fun guy. Like, you was going to be around me, you was going to have fun, you was going to laugh, and you was going to smile. And I was told on many occasions I wasn't that guy, so I'm losing everything. And that was tough. And that's 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 where that's where I I had to commit to being better behaviorally and not just letting my feelings take over and drive me. I need to drive my feelings. I can't just fucking lay down all day in the dark room. Like I got to get up, fam. Like I got to get up and I got to get the fuck out this house because I'm going crazy in this house. I never been in this house more in my whole life. And I know it was a pandemic and nobody was supposed to be outside, but God damn, bro. Like that shit was difficult. And putting on the good face when people call you makes it even harder. Because when your friends call you and they're checking up on you, you can't just come out and say, like, yo, fam, I'm dying over here. Like, I'm I'm dying over here. Slowly, I'm dying. Like, I can't get out of bed. 
I can't fucking do anything important. I'm arguing with everybody who's got ears. Like, you can't communicate that to people. And I don't know why. I I, I would like to say it's a man thing, but I don't want to, I don't want to gender specify that area of opportunity. I, I really think it's just a personality trait where people aren't good at being vulnerable. And, you know, my guys, we've been friends since the 10th grade. Like, if I can't be vulnerable with anybody, I, I could definitely be vulnerable with them. But I'm not finna get on the phone with them and fucking cry. Like, never. Like, if they listening to this shit right now, they're probably laughing. Like, nigga, you was crying? <laughs> but it, it was hard. But August happened. August, I started working on my recovery. August, I purchased this laptop. Uh, uh, and I got up early probably every day, and I went on my walks four days a week. And I'm talking, I, I get up at 8 o'clock, go for my walk. I might not come home till 2 o'clock. Come home sweaty, come home dark as shit, come home well exercised. And I might not even have fucking went hard, but I took my time and I fucking sat on benches and I watched birds and I watched old people walk and I watched kids play at the playground in a non-creepy way. Uh, and I just did whatever the fuck I wanted to do because the only way that I was going to beat depression. I was going to beat those behavior issues that I had. I had to do shit that made me happy. And if it didn't make me happy, then it doesn't serve a purpose. So I didn't do it. And I and that's when I hit the corner. And I mean, that's when everything started looking up for me. Uh, I got my hand strength back within two or three sessions of physical therapy. Uh, my stutter got better. Uh, as soon as I started going, my stutter got better, and occupational therapy helped me with my memory. But there was still something missing, and I said... I said it like in the middle of the month, my kid goes back to Jersey and I'm thinking, okay, so now I got to keep myself out of this hole because with my kid gone, my kid was a big part of the reason why I got out of bed in the morning because if I don't do shit else, I want to make sure my kid eats breakfast and lunch, right? Hey man, you hungry? All right, I'm going to make, we'll make some make some eggs and avocado and spicy sausage and throw it on a plate. Like, I'm going to make sure my kid eats in the morning. <laughs> and that's what got me out of bed. And sometimes that could change my mood or whatever. But with her going home, it's like, hey, I got to stay busy. I got to stay active. I got to stay out the bed. I have to continue to do things that make me happy. And I need to figure out what my purpose is outside of work and like i'm not like a super work maniac like you know i do my fucking i do my community service shit i help out the homeless i throw them a couple dollars i fucking 
do drives so we can get socks and we can give it to the homeless or I make sure that if I see homeless people or or just working poor that I fucking keep some resources on deck so I can give them those resources so they know where they can get their help. And that's my shit. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need to get back into this field because who knows when you're going to go back to work. So I'm looking into things and then I purchased a laptop. So now I'm looking into the pod space. How am I going to do the pod? Who am I going to do the pod with? Who's capable of doing the pod uh, and is a part of my plan? I just hit up the homies. Hey, man, do this podcast. Uh, I want y'all to be on the podcast. You got a microphone? Get a laptop. Get a microphone. We're going to do this shit. And niggas was, you know, niggas, yeah, yeah, me to death. Uh, King Raymond, uh, he was on it. You know, he was prepared. And not to say that my other friends uh, weren't as serious about it. They just weren't understanding of what was needed because I didn't pitch it very well. Uh, and also, it was kind of like a, you know, fucking heat of the moment thing. Like, hey, man, this, this nigga had a stroke. <laughs> now he's trying to go out here and feed the homeless and do a podcast. And Andy bought some roller skates. What's up with your mans? Like, <laughs> it's just... A lot of changes going on with me at the same time. So who knows what's serious and where you can really dedicate your time to it. Uh, but, I mean, the pod was already created. The pod already had a name. I just had the kick in the ass to do it. And through the pod or through attempting to create the pod and get the pod up and running, I found my purpose again. And it's not work and it's not even the pod because the pod i'm not going to say the pod is a job uh i think this shit is fun i can do this shit every day but it's not that the my purpose is just what i've been talking about it's doing what makes me happy i have to learn that it's going to be some bullshit in life. It's always going to be some bullshit in life. And look, you can do without it. Sometimes it's going to happen and you just got to deal with it. You got to take the punches as they come. Uh, But I'm happy for clarity to see that I was putting in too much time into what I thought was important. But it didn't serve me. Your job's important, bro. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. If you don't get paid, you can't pay the rent. You can't pay the mortgage. You can't afford your lifestyle. Totally understand that. But for me to dedicate my time and the amount of time that I was to my job, if I would have died at 36, what's my legacy? What do I leave behind? Yeah, man, he never missed a fucking day of work, man. Hey, nobody's got more PTO than this guy, man. This guy's got all the PTO, man. He never took a day off. Great guy. He always worked. He always did this at work. He always did like, that's not my legacy, dog. That fucking job ain't my legacy. My kids is my legacy. 
my goal is to make sure that those kids grow up to be productive members of, of society. I'm not fucking jumping out the window saying I'm raising the next Obama because I know that shit ain't going to happen. But if I can raise productive members of society that can go out here and operate and do their own thing, make their own bread, and do it the right way, with an emphasis on the right way, where nobody got to get hurt, nobody got to get cheated, and nobody getting stole from, nobody getting took advantage from. Mission complete, fam. Like, that's mission complete. If I can drop a gem on these kids, if I can drop some free jewelry, and I can say some cool shit, and 10 years down the road, they'd be like, hey, man, let me tell you something. My old man said this when I was a kid, and that shit didn't make no sense, and now this shit makes sense, and now I'm telling you. Like, that's my legacy, fam. Like, that's what I want to leave behind, and that's what's important. That's what my focus is. So I, I, my message for the last 364 days has been do what makes you happy. Be unapologetic about doing what makes you happy. It's not selfish to do what makes you happy because it's all about balance. It's some shit you're going to do throughout the course of your day that's not a happy moment for you. You probably listening to this on your commute to work, on your commute to the gym, and you're not necessarily the happiest about going to the gym. It's fucking leg day, my guy. But guess what? You're going to the gym because you want the gains. You're happy about the gains. The process isn't always the prettiest. How you get there isn't always the prettiest. But you love the results, and the results are great. And that's what's important. That's what makes you happy. And I text my brother this morning. Shout out to California. I text him this morning. Talking to him about Stroke of Genius. Uh, <laughs> he says to me, he says, hey, man, talk talk that shit, bro. Without clarity, it's just a blind path. Without purpose, you can never feel like life is truly worth it. And I'm going to put this shit like on a frame or something because that shit's deep, bro. That shit, that shit hit. And it makes so much sense. And now that I have the clarity and now that I'm doing my job and recovering from this event and I can see things clearly. I mean, I've spent, I spent a lot of my time talking and I talked to everybody that was involved. And I, I often say like, yo, you remember when I was an asshole, like for the whole summer, like that was a terrible summer, right? And it was like, man, that was crazy. And, and it's good that we can laugh on it now. Uh, but more than just being able to laugh about it, I want to be able to kind of explain what was motivating me because my head is a crazy place. My communication style was in a rough place at that point, And I don't think my motives were clear to everyone. So that was important to me documenting this recovery process was important to me because I 
feel like I beat something. And it's life, right? Like life always gonna whoop your ass. Like you think you up in the in the scorecard, and then life come through with a left hook, and now you down. And guess what? You come back with a body shot, and now you back up. So that's just a part of the game. But I want to document this kind of stuff because, I mean, that's a part of my legacy. That's a part of my reach. I always wanted to change. I always wanted to change people's lives. And I know, like, it's just a podcast and I talk a lot of shit on here. uh, And I tell a lot of jokes on here and that's cool. But if I could just help somebody understand or help somebody find their purpose. Like that's a, that's butter, baby. Like we good money. Stick, stick with it. Stick with your plan. Uh, and, and make adjustments to your plan and don't be scared to tell people when you fucked up in the game, man, woman, child, and don't be worried about don't worry about how it's going to be received. If you tell somebody you fucked up in the game, they're going to do everything in your if they care about you. They're going to do everything in their power to help get you out of that zone. Sometimes it ain't nothing that they can do, but listen. But damn it, I'll take a motherfucker that can listen to me rant for for an hour on the phone and talk in circles about some shit on the phone for an hour because I'm having a fucked up day over not feeling like I can give it up like that because of whatever insecurities or abandonment issues or communication issues I have. That's it, man. Fucking stroke of genius. And it's not, that's not to poke fun. The title's not to poke fun at what took place. Uh, To define a stroke of genius, a brilliant and successful idea or decision. And that's exactly what happened with this stroke. I had a brilliant idea. I had not made the decision to follow through with the idea. But it's something about it's something about death that makes you evaluate your life and makes you change. And look, you know, sometimes it's going to make you change because you want to keep living. So, hey, you you fucking have a heart attack. Hey, no more fried chicken, right? Uh, but you have a stroke and mentally you're thankful that you have all of your facilities back in order. I'm thankful that I, my stutter isn't bad. I'm thankful that my memory is there. I'm thankful that my right hand is back to normal. And I can occasionally beat my dick when I want to, right? Uh, but most importantly, I want to use my time because you never know what's going to happen. And if I never got this shit off the ground, if we were never 
35 episodes in and I just went out, that would have probably been my biggest regret that I just never did something that I talked about all the time. I mean, if you know me, I talked about this shit for years and years on end. Oh man, I'm gonna do this pod. I've been talking about making content before podcasts. I wanted to do a YouTube page where me and my guy did, uh, we called it happy hour and we took shots and did drinks every Friday and we just told jokes for 20 minutes. I mean, like that's, I've been a content creator, but I just had a hard time executing and this was the kicking ass that I needed. I got a new lease on life. But I don't want everybody to wait until something like this happens before they start chasing their happiness. I want you to chase your happiness now. Write that shit down on a paper. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it close to you so that they can hold you accountable for following through with what makes you happy. Now, I'm not saying invest a lot of money into this shit. I'm not saying quit your fucking job because you think this shit's going to make bank because you still have to be responsible. But balance it out. Do what makes you happy. That's all I got, man. This was a good fucking pod. Damn near two hours of talking about myself. Uh, I, I doubt this shit will ever happen again. Uh, but I had a great experience. Please subscribe, leave comments, rate the shit. Uh, hit me everywhere you see the pod. The world is yours.